Our gospel today is from Matthew chapter 16. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Then he will repay everyone for what he has done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James, his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But while he was speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When, he touched, <clears throat> when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of our, my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Whenever the church makes headline news, I get nervous. 
really doesn't matter the denomination, Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever it is, when I hear the news anchor say an upcoming story about the church, blah, 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 I feel this like pit in my stomach. I feel a little bit like I felt in high school or school when I'd get in trouble, which didn't happen very often, but the teacher would say my name and I'd be like, <gasps> what did I do? That's how it feels to me when the church is in the news. It's usually not going to be good news. It's usually something that I need to brace myself for to hear what's about to come. And the reason I don't think it matters which denomination is, is in the news is because I think for the most part that people both within and outside the church don't really know what these denominations are all about. I mean, I was baptized in the United Methodist Church, um, and we switched to the Lutheran Church when I was 12. And if you had asked me to tell you what was different from the two churches, I would say we stand more as Lutherans, and our hymnal is more difficult to navigate. I mean, that's what I knew was different. N nothing else. I couldn't tell you much more. So I would say for the most people, they hear the word church, and whatever comes around it, they think this is what all Christians are thinking and doing. And so I think it's important for us to pay attention. So for the past few weeks, the church has been in the news, and it has not been good news, I would say. First, it was the Catholic Church, which often is in the news lately because of the ongoing sexual abuse scandal and the hiding of that abuse. Uh, an ex-cardinal was recently defrocked, and the Pope actually made an apology to the people who have been abused by the church, and they're trying to figure out a new way to go forward, which is a good thing. Um, and then this past week, the United Methodist Church made news headlines for their recent conference assembly. Now, the United Methodist Church is a global church, so it's people from all around the world joined together um, for this big assembly in St. Louis. And there was a decision that they were trying to make. They want, some of the people in the church wanted to give each church autonomy to make decisions about whether or not they would allow for their clergy to be LGBTQ and perform same-sex marriages. So if you drive around um, the metro area and drive by a Methodist church, more often than not you will see a rainbow flag on their sign outside their church because many of our churches in this area really want to do that, welcome um, clergy who are LGBTQ. Um, so this was kind of the vote put before the assembly. However, it was rejected, and instead a traditional plan was brought forward that said, no, we are going to continue to ban um, clergy who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered, and we are also going to penalize any clergy who performs a marriage between people who are sa the same sex. Um, I'm a church nerd, so I paid close attention to this. I doubt many of you did as well, but maybe you did. But let me just say this. Um, the, the vote was incredibly close. It was 53% to 47%. And the 47% of the people who um, were defeated in this vote, I think, are heartbroken today. And there is a lot of grief and pain in our, for our brothers and sisters who are in the Methodist Church. And my prayer is for them today because it is a hard road to walk. And while I'm grateful that the Lutheran Church hasn't had a headline recently, the truth of the matter is I think we in the Lutheran Church need to pay attention to what's going on in these other churches and recognize that we are right along with them. We're not very different. 
The Catholic Church may get more press because of the ongoing sexual abuse scandal, but every uh, denomination has had abuse, including the Lutheran Church, and we cannot ignore the fact that um, the church leadership has taken advantage and abused people who are vulnerable and misused their power, which is why I think we need to talk about these things as a community of faith so that we make sure that we have policies and procedures that protect our people and that all people are safe within the walls of the church and are, are able to get help and um, are heard for who they are. And the ELCA may have voted in 2009 to allow for people who are LGBTQ in lifelong committed relationships to be ordained and called to be pastors in churches around um, the, the United States. But we also added this little clause that said we allow for each congregation to have bound conscience, which means this. Basically, each church gets to decide for themselves. Kind of what the Methodists were hoping to do. Um, that continues to happen. So there are churches throughout the ELCA who can openly discriminate and say, we're not going to interview anybody who is gay or lesbian because we're not going to call them to our church. And that continues to be something I think we need to be truthful about and know. As a person who was a clergy during the 2009 vote in a more conservative synod and a more conservative church, let me tell you that that conversation at our synod assembly and churchwide assembly was unbelievably painful. It was painful for everybody who was there as we talked with passion and beliefs about who we are as the people of God and how to welcome other people. And unfortunately, I think when we have these conversations more often than not, in particular, our, our brothers and sisters who are gay and lesbian, bisexual and transgendered get talked about as issues instead of as people who are beloved and welcomed into the kingdom of God. And so um, I think we need to confess and talk about that and just say to anyone, you know, you are fully loved I also want to talk about the fact that, you know, once that vote was over in my, my church back in Faribault, there was enormous pain. Um, we had people calling for us to leave the ELCA, asking for a vote. People left our church, and they were vocal about it. And we even had people on our staff who resigned because they didn't want to be a part of that church family anymore. And so for all of us, it was just a time of grief um, and uncertainty. And so today, I hold up um, our brothers and sisters in the Methodist church and lament alongside them. All right. That's a, a lot of precursor. Um, our text for this morning is the transfiguration of Jesus, but it's much more than that. Um, it was longer, you probably noticed. A good job with the reading, Gary. Um, it also talks about the origin story of the church, um, which I talked about with the kids and how Peter is given the keys to the kingdom of God. And I really wish that Jesus had said what I said in the children's message. Don't I always wish Jesus said what I wanted to say? I mean, don't we all feel that way? Oh, if only Jesus said it my way. It would be so good. Um, I wish Jesus had said, here's the keys to the kingdom. Go unlock doors and welcome people in. But Jesus didn't actually say that. You probably noticed when it, Gary was reading this morning. Jesus said, here's the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. And unfortunately, I think that the church has taken those instructions way too seriously. And we've gotten into the whole binding and loosing business for ourselves. So instead of being door openers, we become gatekeepers who get to decide who comes in and who comes out. 
And throughout the history of the church, that's what the people have done. We get to say who gets to come to the communion table, who gets to be clergy, and we make our rules about how we think people should be welcomed or not and how completely they should be welcomed. into the. And unfortunately, when the church speaks, we often are speaking for what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. After all, that's what Jesus said. But I think too often that the church has gotten it wrong. I hope as um, Gary was reading this morning, you were paying attention to Peter. Because Peter, I think, is the most interesting one in this story. I mean, Peter does indeed get it right when Jesus says, who do they say that I am? He's like, oh, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God, yes. And I'm like, Jesus celebrates it. You're right. That's who I am. I am God in your midst. And that's not something to be taken lightly. People didn't really know who Jesus was. And so this is a revealing moment where the disciples suddenly see Jesus for who he truly is. Fortunately for us, I think, the story doesn't end there. I mean, in the next scene, as Jesus talks about what it means to be the Messiah, the son of the living God, and he's going to go suffer and die and all of this difficulty that's ahead, Peter goes, "Uh, I don't think that's what that means. No. And Jesus is so bold to say, get behind me, Satan. You've got yourself set on some unrealistic things. You don't know what my mission and vision is about. I mean, I don't think we should ever use those words in an argument with someone. Get behind me, Satan. And Jesus does that. Here, Peter goes from like A plus answer to like, oh boy, I don't know if you should show your face in class today. And we can all shake our heads and say, well, Peter doesn't get it. He didn't fully understand the mission and vision of God. He's human, And we see it again when they go off on the mountaintop. I mean, they get up there, and there's Moses and Elijah, and I mean, who knows how they know that they were there. Maybe there were name tags, maybe not. Um, And Peter says, let's stay up here forever. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, no, we're going down the mountain. That's not going to happen. I sometimes joke that we should have facepalm Jesus instead of whistling Jesus, like, Come on, let's, let's get on board with what's really going on. We're called to be in the world, not removed from it. Anyhow, all of that happens. And we can laugh and say, oh, gull, I'm so thankful for Peter because he's a lot like me. I get confused. I think I understand what Jesus is doing one minute, and then the next, let's face it, I don't understand. And we're all making all these mistakes all the time, and Jesus still loves us. Thanks be to God. Well, the problem is, is that when Peter was handed those keys to the kingdom, for some reason we forgot the reality of who Peter really was. We forgot the fact that Peter bumbles around and makes mistakes, and so instead the church made him a saint with a capital S instead of saying, Peter's a saint and a sinner just like the rest of us. And we made him into a statue and stained glass art and said, yep, Peter's got authority and he's holy and righteous, and so therefore we get to bind and loose things all over the place. When I think about the church today and the headlines in the news, about the abuse and judgment and welcoming or banning of clergy, I think we have forgotten who we are supposed to be. I think we have forgotten that we are supposed to be the ones who help people to follow Jesus. 
That we are supposed to be confessional people who don't get it right sometimes. That we are not up on a pedestal, even though I'm way up here right now. I'm not on a pedestal. I'm so human. And I make mistakes just as every clergy throughout time has made mistakes. And when we actually come down from this place of authority and like lay down those keys, we are better able to be in relationship with others and to welcome them into the body of Christ. This is who we are called to be as people of faith. In our gospel today, we are told to pick up the cross and follow Jesus. And that means that we actually have to be willing to put a little bit of skin in the game in order to welcome other people in. In order to follow Jesus where he is leading us, which is not to stay satisfied with the status quo, but instead it is to reach out to others and say, you know what, that you're welcome here. And if other people get mad at me, I don't care. Because I'm going to speak up on behalf of God's love and God's welcome. See, the reason why I think Peter was such a good person to choose as this individual who gets the keys in the first place is because Peter knew the power of being freed by Christ. He knew what it was like to be loosed. At one point in time, he fell on his knees and confessed, I am sinful, I don't deserve your love. And Jesus said, come on, you're in it with me anyways. And so I believe that when Peter received those keys, he was like, you know what? If I've been welcomed in, then everyone gets to be welcomed in. That's what the mission is about. I mean, Peter to the very end messes up, and he knows more than anyone what forgiveness from God is like. He knows more than anyone that we are accepted for wholly who we are. And so today, I do hope that we will stand up and say something on behalf of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. I hope that we will use our keys to unlock doors and welcome people in. And I hope that we will realize that as we do that, we also have to be in in communication with people who disagree with us. Because the reality is, is that the 53% and the 47% who voted against each other are all welcomed in God's kingdom too. Every voice is wanted. Every voice deserves to be heard. Every person has a place at the table. Those we like and those we don't. Those we disagree with. And somehow God is going to transform us right? God is going to transform us with his love so that we can be united in that love and freed to go out and welcome others. Amen.